Yeah, okay. Okay, so I'm supposed to read this? Okay. Hi, I am Bart Gregory, co-host of the Adelaide... Who wrote? Why am I doing this? Why isn't Charlie doing this? Why isn't Charlie reading? Okay. All right, I'll do it. Okay, thanks, Tom. Okay, thanks, Tom. Appreciate you. Okay, hey, this is Bart Gregory, the uh, the host of the Out of Left Field Show with Charlie Winfield. And the fine folks at the Southeastern Sports Group are, are introducing a new show. And here it is for you. It's called State Style with Brock Turnipseed and Robbie Falk. They're going to talk men's and women's basketball. I haven't listened to the show. I heard it was pretty good. They taped it yesterday. And... I think it's going to be really good. And so what we're going to do is we're going to release it on our site. You can search it anywhere you get your podcast. They haven't got the iTunes up just yet. It hasn't been accepted yet. And so you kind of wonder if it will be with Brock. Um, but anyway, here is a sneak peek as we are introducing the state style with Brock Turnipseed and Robbie Falk. Subscribe at State Style. It'll be on iTunes hopefully later today. Spotify, tune in. It's already on TuneIn. And so make sure you check these guys out. And so without further ado, have no idea why Charlie's not doing this. Have no idea why management's not doing this. So without further ado, here's State Style with Brock Turnipseed and Robbie Falk. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to State Style, a podcast focused on Mississippi State men's and women's basketball and basketball action around the Southeastern Conference and who knows, maybe even the country. Brock Turnipseed here with you along with Robbie Falk. Robbie, it's exciting to be doing this podcast. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things that, that we can talk about. There's a lot of exciting things happening between uh, Ben Howland's team and Nikki McRae-Pinson's team and um, between our experience and covering basketball and, of course, you being in media relations for so many years, I think we can add a little bit different uh, perspective than, than the normal guys usually have. Um, uh, you were in a program that went from the bottom to the top of the SEC. You got to see how that thing kind of transpired with Vic Schaefer, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on a lot of that stuff too. So it should be pretty fun. Absolutely. The State Style is brought to you by Bank First. Bank First has 29 locations in Mississippi and Alabama. Bank First is community-focused and has commercial and personal lending and even the best mortgage department around. It's a growing bank with outstanding customer service. You can visit them online at bankfirstfs.com. We appreciate Bank First uh, coming on to sponsor this podcast. And as we mentioned, we're going to be talking Mississippi State men's and women's basketball. And, Robbie, we're going to start on the men's side big win last night for uh, Ben Howland's men's team they've now come back after a rough start and won three straight uh, beating Jackson State last night 82 to 59 and really you look at this team and it's a young team and last night was probably a little bit evident of what a young team is going to be it's going to be kind of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of scenario you're a big wrestling fan you know, you think the first half is the baby face is getting beat up, and then the second half you have Macho Man coming off the, the top rope uh, to put away the match. And, and that's kind of the way this game was last night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we've seen that in the first few games from this team. You know, we'll see, you know, a string of points to start the game, and then they'll go through this long drought. It's a lot of the times it's happening in the first half, and I'm not real sure what to attribute that to because I think you have some talented guys on this roster that can score some points. 
most importantly, I think, in the first couple of games was the absence of Iverson Molinar, and we'll talk a lot about about him. He was absolutely the catalyst last night against Jackson State. Came out, got the first seven points to the ball game, and I thought really set the tone, although they did kind of go cold there for a little bit. He was kind of the guy that was holding their head above water in that first half. I think he had 13 points. They struggled to shoot the ball for a long stretch in that half. I think they started five of six. They ended the half six of 27, I think, after that. So uh, it was a long string of – um, empty possessions for him. Not a ton of turnovers. I, I didn't think in the first half they did have a few turnovers, but I didn't. I didn't think that was really the the big issue. They just weren't able to get shots to fall. And listen, let's give Jackson State some credit too. So they had some guys on their team. They were missing one of their best players, but they had the preseason player of the year in the SWAC. They have a guy that transferred from uh, ULL that, that's pretty good. And Calvin Temple. So I, I didn't think that they were completely devoid of talent. That's a very talented Jackson State team. Now, Mississippi State should have come out and blown them out, which is pretty much what they did in the second half. But I thought the second half adjustments by Ben Howland were, were really good, and they started to attack in the post. They got Tolu Smith more involved. JV and Davis got involved in the post, too. So the adjustments that they made was evidence of, of good coaching and some progress by the players as well. Robbie, I think you bring some very interesting points. You know, the, you, we talk about this young team and, and bouncing back and forth, but, you know, I thought Mississippi State did, did a really good job of staying in the ball game after Jackson State came out and was hot from the three-point line, made, what, 7 of 14 from three. You know, and Mississippi State did force 11 turnovers in that first half. But, you know, and Mississippi State, in all honesty, you, you kind of saw in that first half what plagued them in the opening game against Clemson, the fifty percent from the free throw line, you know. So staying in that ball game at that point in halftime and taking a four point lead at half, I think probably had to be a win. But you're right, you know, you, you come back and and you really look at, and that whole first half. I mean, Iverson Molinar was, was on fire, five of eight, uh, you know, and three for four from from three, but. You know, then you still get that contribution from him in the second half as well, and he finishes with 21 points on the night. I, I think you're exactly right. He has kind of made a difference in this team, and Ben Howland said that he has probably made some of the biggest progress from freshman to sophomore season that you've that he's seen since uh, I think he said Russell Westbrook. Uh, and here's some of what Ben Howland had to say about Iverson Molinar after the game. I've been doing this a long time. Usually, players improve the most most between their freshman and sophomore year. He's improved more than any player that I've coached since Russell Westbrook between 07 and 08. That's how much better he is in every facet of the game from a year ago. And, uh, you know, we're a completely different team because he is a really good player who gives us another excellent scorer who can really put the ball in the basket and create for others. I think he had four assists tonight and led us there. So he did a lot of outstanding things, played good defense. And I think, you know, that what you're seeing in the last two games is what you're going to see every night on a regular basis. So Iverson Molinar, as we mentioned, finished with 21 points in the night. And uh, you kind of look, he's kind of emerging as maybe the best player on this team. No doubt. And again, we we talk about the absence of him in the first couple of games, which Ben Hallen came out and said that it was COVID-related. He had tested positive, had to go through all the, the protocols there. That was a huge absence for Mississippi State. And I know he's still a sophomore, but he is a dynamic point guard. And when you start throwing around names like Russell Westbrook um, that are guys that he's developed and that he's coached and he's starting to compare 
to, to Russell Westbrook, that's pretty high praise. So I, I think you saw a little bit of what he adds to this team. And, and Hallen mentioned, you know, what you saw on Tuesday night is what you're going to see from him night in and night out. He really believes that. Huge ball game uh, for Iverson, 21 points. I think he had 15 in the first game of the season. So uh, you're starting to see his scoring prowess. And I thought that he really commanded the offense well. Uh, you see a lot from Davion Smith out there offensively and defensively. You see a lot of talent from the kid. But you don't want to throw the freshman into the ball game like that, leading an offense. He's going to make mistakes. You like for Iverson to kind of take over that and Davion come in and learn under him and slowly be brought into that process because handling the point is very tough in the SEC. You're often going to see some some staunch defenders, and you're not going to be able to go out there and light it up like you did in high school. So I think Iverson emerging at that point guard role and having Davion there to come in and kind of learn under him is the best-case scenario for State this year. Yeah, one of the biggest probably surprises for this team has been the emergence of Tolu Smith. He, he's come out and really, to me, been a consistent threat. Uh, you know, Ben Howland talked about – you talked about Davon Smith being – you know, sped up a little bit, and that's what you see in freshmen. You know, Tolu Smith really seeing his first significant minutes as, as a college basketball player as well, and you can kind of tell last night that he was sped up. Ben Howell even talked about it in post game that he was sped up in the first half, was two of six from the field in the first half, but uh, you really settled in and, and kind of found his niche in the second half and was six for six from the field in the second half, and uh, Tolu finished with 19 points and 12 rebounds, had nine of those rebounds in the second half, and uh, you really Ben Hallen has, has sung his praises of how good of a player he is, and he's really starting to step into that, and Ben Hallen talked about his second half last night. I thought he was sped up in the first half, trying to do too much. Second half, he, he settled down and uh, did a good job posting and getting big and getting second shots. He had five offensive rebounds. A number of those were for scores. He runs the floor so well. He's the first guy down there. His teammates found him. He got the ball. And and I just think he's going to keep getting better and better and better. You know, we kind of mentioned that Molinar and and Smith are kind of two-thirds of that, you know, I guess you could say that that three-headed monster that Mississippi State has the ability to emerge. I think the other one that we kind of saw a little bit of last year and now is kind of emerging into his own is D.J. Stewart Jr. Um, Now, the question, Robbie, is, a lot of people were expecting him to be the main threat for Mississippi State. You know, is he ready for that role yet? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from DJ this year as far as taking over that main role. I thought he played pretty well with Iverson out of the ball game, but I don't know if he's ready to expand into a 15, 18-point-per-game guy. He's capable of doing that, but, I, you know, we just have to wait and see. Last night, kind of quiet. I mean, he had – he was three for eight from the field with 11 points. Four of those points came off the free throw line. But you're, you're going to need him to, to really step up. And you need those guys to, to score and be productive because right now they, they haven't been scoring a ton of points. 82 last night, but they had to get 48 in the second half. And I think they had in the 60s against uh, North Texas maybe, something like that. They've been scoring. They've been struggling offensively to get something going. But Tolu's been the, the main constant. He's consistently had 12 or more points in every ball game this year, 19 points last night. Uh, you have a threat in the post. 
and he's a guy that can step out and he can hit from mid-range and things like that. And then JV and Davis, I thought, played pretty well last night. They need they need some more offensively from Abdul Abdu. And, um, I, you, know, I, you know, looking at his numbers, eight rebounds last night, I think four points. They got to get more from Abdul. He's a senior. He's been here for a long time. They need a little more production out of him, I think, in the post. You start getting guys like Abdul Abdu and Javian Davis right there with Tolu Smith, and you're going to be trouble offensively. And they got some size and some athleticism. Uh, there's a lot to like about this team. Yeah, it definitely is, and I agree with you on a do. I think you're going to need that post presence because you don't have that presence you had with Reggie Perry last year, and and there's no way you're going to really replace that. But with you have Smith playing there as well as a do, and give credit, a do is a great defensive stopper. You know, he really. The, the big problem for him has been staying out of foul trouble. You know, really, he's been picking up those two fouls in the first half, and that's kind of limited his minutes. But when he's been in there, he, he's really been that bottle on the inside, and I think you saw it last night. And to me, that was really a big emphasis to start that second half was that interior defense. You know, Jackson State was trying to get to the rim a little bit more, but they just couldn't do anything with, with the do and, and Tolu Smith down there. That kind of really sparked that 17-0 run because you saw Jackson State kind of got extended and they just were not hitting. You didn't think they were going to hit 50% from the three-point line consistently. And so the big key for Mississippi State really was coming out of the half. And sometimes they've been a slow starter in the second half. And last night they came out with a, what, a 16-0 run, I believe, and a lot of that was keyed by the defense, and that's what Ben Hallen talked about last night as well after the game. Uh, we came out really defensive-minded. I think it was a 16-0 run, if I'm not mistaken. Did a great job offensively sharing the ball, getting it inside right away. Uh, when you look at the stats, the biggest stat of the game is obviously tw- we outboarded them by 25, uh, 50 to 25, and had 20 offensive rebounds and only allowed them five. Uh, you know, so that's very, very good. We, you know, we had uh, six steals, which created some offense. I thought Iverson really got us off to a great start with his shooting. Uh, you know, he had our first seven points, all good shots. He's five for seven for three tonight. I talked about, someone asked me the other day, well, where has he improved most? Uh, and I said, on his shot. You know, he had his thumb involved last year, and now he had his perfect rotation. It is money in the bank. Every time he shoots and he's open, I'm thinking it's going in. We talk about the defense, and and I thought, Robbie, one of the big changes that Mississippi State really made was starting to go work inside out more. I thought they made a really – the adjustments at halftime were more getting the ball into the post and working out, and that really saw the opportunities open up. And to me, that's something that you're going to have to do if you're going to rely on a DJ Stewart Jr. and you're going to rely on an Iverson Molinar. If you get that ball in that post and get the defense collapsing, that's going to leave them some great looks as well. It is, and in the first couple of ball games against Clemson and um, Liberty, they were relying a lot on those three-point shots, and they weren't falling. And you don't want to you don't want to limit yourself there. I, I think this team has the ability to shoot the three, but they're not going to be a great three-point shooting team. They went eight of eighteen last night. That's great. I mean, you you shoot eighteen shots. They were pretty good looks when they got them. Iverson Molinar had a big night, five of seven. Um, so he got most of those. But they were working the ball in the post, and you have the bodies down there. To, to be productive. You need to take advantage of that. When you have three guys down there like Davis and Smith and Abdul, 
you need to be taking advantage of that. And I think that you start working it in the post, and like you said, you can work inside out. You start kicking it outside when those defenders draw in on the post player. You really start to see the offense work at that point. So I, I think it's important for them to, to begin to start working in that post game and work from inside to out instead of the other way around, instead of coming out there and jacking up a bunch of threes and relying on that which is kind of what Jackson State did early in the ballgame. They ended up hitting 10 three-pointers, but seven of those in the first half, seven to 14, like you said, and they went three for 10 in the second half. So, um, you know, I think they had the right recipe for success in the second half. And listen, they should come out and outscore Jackson State in the second half by 19 points. They should they should win that ball game by 23. They did they did what they were supposed to do, but the adjustments I thought I thought last night were were really good. And this is still a young team. You're replacing most of that team from last year. You lost a ton of pieces from that team last year. When you lose guys like Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard and Tyson Carter, I mean you're losing guys that have played a lot of games in the SEC. Even with Woodard and and Perry being sophomores, so you're, you're pretty much retooling your entire roster with the exception of Abdul and then Iverson coming back from last year and DJ Stewart. But this is a lot of new faces. We're going to see a lot of bumps in the road. But it's important for Ben Howland to show that this team is making progress and they're they're adjusting and they're getting better every week. This is the year when a veteran team benefits more so. And that's typically the case, but it's really more so this year because you look at it, you didn't have – that entire spring you didn't have that summer to work together you know your time to gel and so when you have so many new pieces that you're trying to fit in I think fans just need to be patient with this team there's a lot of great pieces to like here it's just going to take some time to to gel them together because you did not have that preseason I think you're seeing that with some other programs like Kentucky absolutely and and more so really than football football got those summer workouts and they got a chance to go through fall and all that basketball has really had less time and and also basketball is going to be hit harder with COVID than football in my opinion you're going to see a lot more teams that have to quarantine and sit out for a couple of weeks just based on the fact that you have fewer players you have one or two positive cases on your team and you're probably done for a couple of weeks because everybody's in such close contact and you only have 13 to 15 guys on the team so uh you know I, I think this is definitely a year that you just kind of toss out because there's really not a whole lot you can gauge from this. And I think Kentucky is um, a big part of that. They've, they've been hurting early on in the season. And when you have so much turnover like Kentucky does year in and year out, you're going to have some years where you're going to be down. We've seen that a couple of times from them. They've done a pretty good job of retaining success every single year considering what they lose. But – when you're constantly turning a roster over, there's going to be times where things just don't gel right. You don't have the right five guys on the court at the same time. You don't have the right 15 guys on the team at the same time. So there's going to be years where John Calipari struggles like this. Their struggles are going to be a lot less than what Mississippi State's going to have happen to them because they have five-star talent all over the team. But there's going to be some down years for Kentucky, and I think you're seeing that right now. I think they lost to Georgia Tech by double digits the other night. I mean, this this is not your typical Kentucky team this year. No, that's very true. And, and, you know, seeing these challenging games early on, and that's where really one of your benefits right now, if you're like a Mississippi State, is you're getting these games in because you look at teams like Tennessee who really has a veteran team returning. That's one of the benefits for them because they just got to play their first game last night. So your opportunities – to fine-tune things before conference play starts are very limited. You look at Ole Miss, who's having to replace Sabri and Tyree. 
they haven't played yet. So it's a big it's a big factor for them as you're trying to put some new pieces together, and those chances really before you get ready for conference play are, are very limited. And that's why Mississippi State, you know, it's great that you have a chance to play a Clemson first. You have a chance to play a Liberty. And as we talk about the next action uh, for Mississippi State is going to be Dayton and Atlanta, the holiday hoops giving. And, of course, this is a Dayton team that's a lot different from last year's team. But Anthony Grant, I think one thing you really – think about his teams is they're very good defensively. They're going to be tough. They're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to play really good defense. And last year was obviously, you know, I don't want to say an anomaly, but they have one of the best players in the country, and they made a nice little run there. Uh, but this is going to be a team that's going to be well-coached. That you know, Anthony Grant's Alabama teams were always really well-coached. They play really good defense, hard-nosed guys. So it's going to be a good test, another really good test for Ben Allen's crew and I, I personally like that he's played some good teams early on with this young group and just kind of thrown them in the fire. And I'm not saying Clemson and Liberty are, are Sweet 16 or Final Four teams, but they are good ball clubs, I think. And I think North Texas was a good team – or, sorry, Texas State was a good team as well. And Jackson State also. I don't, I don't think they've played a lot of scrubs here early on in the in the process. I think they're, they're playing a challenging schedule. And like you said, this won't be the Dayton team of last season, but – this is a team that has history. They have tradition. They had some good players. And it's going to be on a neutral site, so it'll be a good opportunity for these guys. So you look at, at Dayton real quick, 2-1 and one on the year. They uh, beat Northern Kentucky last night 66-60. to 60. Uh, They beat Eastern Illinois in their season openers by three, and then their only loss of the year uh, to a two-point loss to SMU. And they've got some transfers that, that really – uh, can make a difference. Michigan transfer E.B. Watson averaging about 19 points a game. And then you have Chase Johnson, who played in eight games and averaged five points a game last year, is averaging about 14 this year. He's a transfer from Florida. Um, they've got Jalen Crutcher, a kid from Memphis, who is back, and he's averaging about 15 points a game. And a kid, uh, Rodney Chapman from Lithonia, Georgia, who – is about averaging the same number, about eight points a game as he did a year ago. Uh, of course, really not a big team. Uh, this is going to be another team that's really going to kind of stretch Mississippi State as well. Uh, their biggest player, six eleven, Jordy. Uh, Shamunga, I guess you would say, I think is his name. I can't remember, but he's a transfer from Nebraska. And if you remember, Mississippi State played that exhibition game against Nebraska. He was the big man down there, and he was a pretty physical presence. So Abdullah Dew is going to really have his hand, hands full with him. But uh, excited about Mississippi State men's basketball. Hey, a three-game win streak, a chance to build on this as we go on. And uh, Robbie, let's switch over to the women's side of the basketball. Uh, you cover them a lot. And, of course, a new coach in Nikki McRae-Pinson, What's your thoughts on what she's brought to this table so far? You know, I've really liked what I've seen from them uh, this last game, notwithstanding. Um, the first first couple of ball games, I thought that they really got out and ran well. And we, we saw Vic Schaefer running. Uh, they, they got out in transition. They, they put defense to offense. He, he liked to run. But this is a little bit different to me. That this, this group moves a lot faster. They don't get out in the half court very often. They're going to try to score pretty early in the shot clock. Um, and, and the offense, is it's much different. We don't see a whole lot of dribble drive as much as we did with Vic Schaefer in that weave-type offense. This offense, is, it works a little bit different. And um, they'll, they'll work outside. They kind of take what they get from the defense. It's not really – there's no set for this team. They go out and they take what the defense gives them. If they need to get in the post, they'll get in the post. If they need to hit threes, take those shots, they'll get them. And they're getting good looks. What I saw on Saturday, 
is not what I saw in the first two ball games. And I'm not real certain what the problem was. I don't know if it was the first road game. I don't know if it was the team getting too high on themselves. But we saw that a couple of times last year. People do forget that State played a game like that last year against West Virginia where they were just kind of dragging around. They were terrible with the free throw line. They weren't getting rebounds they should have gotten, and they lost that ball game. And it's kind of similar to the Alabama game as well that they played last year and lost. So I didn't take away from that game that this is what Nikki mccray Pinson's team is going to look like because we've seen what her team looks like and – it didn't look the same. I don't. I, I couldn't really. I don't know what you saw if you watched it, but it didn't really look like a Nikki McRae Pinson team. What I expect from one. Well, and we're talking about a sixty-seven to sixty-three overtime loss at South Florida on the road in the Yingling Center at South Florida, and I agree with you a little bit. I think you also look at this same factor: is your best player, Rakia Jackson, is a sophomore. You know, Jessica Carter is in her second full year of, of being one of the focal points of everybody's scouting reports. You know, Jemiah Mingo Young is a sophomore. Leah Matharu is a sophomore. You know, Myra Ta- Maya Taylor is in her second year of running. But then you've got some new new pieces in Sydney Cooks and Madison Hayes and Katerian Thompson. So you're still building some chemistry there as well. And I think it comes back to that young team. And still on paper, this is really a young team, although you have a lot of the key pieces back. And to me, I thought what happened Saturday night was they got a little sped up, and I think they got a little frustrated as well, and they started rushing some bad shots and just couldn't get shots to to drop. And, hey, everybody knows in basketball, sometimes the shots just don't fall, and that's kind of maybe what happened. And I thought Nikki McCray-Pinson had a great point of – the officiating maybe got in the kids' heads a little bit. Um, that's kind of what I could see maybe happening. But, you know, this team, you know, usually is a pretty good shoot free-throw shooting team. And they shot, what, 50% from the line, I think, something like that. And, you know, really just couldn't get shots to fall from, from it anyway. And, and let's not take anything away. South Florida is a very good program. And I think what people don't realize is – they won six of their last ten games a year ago, and they pretty much have everybody back. And three of those losses were to UConn. So that tells you a little bit about what Jose Fernandez, they play a different style. You know, he is an international recruiter. Most of the kids on that roster are international players. It's And they typically are more mature players. They, they've played the game a little longer. And they come in and they just play a different style. And he's been successful. I mean, he has had some great programs. So I don't think – I think fans need to just relax a little bit on that. I, I think that there's learning opportunities from there and a chance for them to bounce back. Uh, you know, and, and that is the last – probably true tough challenge they're going to have before they open conference play against Georgia. But I think there's some things that you see you need to fix. You're shooting 63% from the line. I think that's the main main thing a little bit. Um, you know, 48 assists to 46 turnovers is something that I think Mississippi State fans are really not used to, it. the, the assist-turnover ratio being that close. That, I think that's one of the things that you can take away from this game is – State had to play absolutely awful for to lose this ball game in overtime on the road. And I, I do think that uh, you make a good point about South Florida and their players. They're, most of the team's international players, they do have a different mindset. They're a little more robotic because they come up in a system and they, the, these things don't really bother them as much. They, I think they went 6 of 30 or something from 3. 
they never got bothered by that. They just kept jacking up the threes. Didn't really bother them. Well, State is turning the ball over, offensive fouls, things of that nature, and they started to get really bothered by that. I think Jemai Mingo Young had a technical foul at the end of the first half. Those kind of things really bothered these players, and they just weren't able to really take control of this ball game. I think they got outscored 25-12 to 12 in the second quarter after taking a lead in that first half. So it was just a bad night all the way around, and we saw that last year from the same Mississippi State team. People start calling for Nikki McRae-Pinson's firing right away, and those are the irrational fans. You see that on Twitter and on message boards every single time the team loses. So you take that with a grain of salt. But those are the kind of people that just don't really they, – they look at things from, you know, uh, right on the surface. They don't really look at things from a 1,000 yards away. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. You knew at some point Nikki McRae-Pinson was going to lose a game. They've lost the game. Now how do you move on from that, I think, is the biggest test for this team. And the players coming out on social media after the game kind of making the point like, hey, it's, it's, it's a loss. We're going to move on from this and get better. I think that's the important thing for this team. Very close-knit team, and there are some players with experience on this team, but um, they've just got to make sure that this thing doesn't snowball. This is one of the times, Brock, where you want to play a game this week to get over that loss. You you want you want to play Southern Miss, but of course that's not happening. They're not playing a game this week, and that's what makes this loss sting a little more. You don't get a chance to put it behind you quickly. You're right. I, that is the the hardest thing about having this nine day layoff, and then you come into a Troy team that can score a lot of points. Uh, you know, it, it's the the body of work that they've had so far is tough to tell really what what Troy has. They've traditionally been a pretty good team, but I, I agree with you on the Nikki McRae Pinson thing. I, I you know she's a, a coach and she's played at every level you can think of and had some of the highest accomplishments as a player. So she knows what she's doing. You know, I think it's just a matter of – and everybody thought last year after the West Virginia loss that the sky was falling as well. And we see how this team rebounded. You know, to me, though, one of the biggest factors that I thought this team was missing, and I think it showed more Saturday night than any time, is not having a Jordan Danbury. You're not having that veteran senior leader who can come out and a lockdown defender who can cause havoc on the defensive end. I think they're still searching for that from an identity standpoint as well. Would you agree? That and looking for someone that can step into the huddle and say, hey, knock it off. We're okay. Let's let's go take this game. I don't know how many um, – players they have out there vocally that can just take over the team and calm everybody down. They've had that in the past, but they're still searching for that too. I think Maya Taylor's probably the closest one to that, and you see her a lot of times. I think she went to to Mingo Young and and Matharu a couple of times and pulled them to the side and just kind of trying to get them settled back down. That they need that calming presence. They need somebody to, to calm everything down. And you look at Maya Taylor's line, I don't think she had a turnover in this game. Her So far, she's been really good at commanding this offense, and it's an offense that's going to be sped up at times. They're going to turn the ball over, but she's not doing it. She's taking care of the basketball really well, and she's gotten involved a little more in the scoring um, aspect of things. So I, I think she's an important piece of this team moving forward to kind of calm everybody down and have everybody you know settle back in. That's what they need in this game because it just kept snowballing for this team and they couldn't really stop these runs or, you know, get a basket that they needed. They've got those in the past. When a team would go on a run on the road, 
they've had you know a big basket here or a big rebound from Tier McCowan or you know Victoria Vivian's getting knocking down a shot. They're just they're searching for some of that right now. You know, you look at it. You bring a perfect example. I think Rakia Jackson struggles in the, from the field. We saw that a lot from Victoria Vivian's during her career. And you see how players bounce back. She's a good enough player to bounce back. And I think this team will bounce back, and they have that opportunity starting with, with Troy uh, coming up here. But, you know, 2-1 and one on the young season. And a lot like the men, you didn't have that time. But you also look on top of that is this team is also having to learn a new system under a new coach. And when you have that condensed preseason time to work on things – Makes you know gelling on that offensive end is going to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I hate to compare uh, McCray Pinson here, but Joe Moorhead was kind of in the same boat. I'm not saying that she's going to follow the same path, but immediately everybody thinks, well, you know, he's inheriting a great roster. He should win ten games, and and by and large, he should have. But it's not always as easy as that. I mean, you have a brand new system. You got a new coaching staff. You're getting used used to this roster. And also, State lost some players, too. I mean, they had Jayla Hemingway transferred out, uh, Bree Scott transferred out, Chloe Bibby, Andy Espinosa-Hunter. You lost four players that were contributors, and you you have a strong nucleus, but you lost some strong players as well, some girls that contributed to this team for the last two or three years. So it's going to take a while to get everything meshed, but I, I think they're heading in the right direction. And you look at this team, you know, you have some chances. You know, we mentioned we have Troy on Monday night uh, at 7 o'clock here in the hump. And then you, uh, December 18th, you host Southern University, and then you host Central Arkansas to close it out. And, and Robbie, you look at their, their league schedule, it's very favorable to start out, in all honesty, of course, not really knowing what these teams have so far. Uh, you know, you start out at, on the road at Georgia, and I, I would love, I have to look up the stat because I used to know it off the top of my head. But it seems like we start on the road in SEC play an awful lot. And we open against Georgia a pretty good bit as well. Yeah, that's something that always bothered Vic. He, he, he was always upset about that. And they, they, they usually kind of struggle there too. They've struggled in the past at Georgia. Even some of his really good teams kind of struggled there. The last couple of times I think they've been able to pull them out pretty well. But, you know, Joni Taylor's got some good players. She's always a good coach in this league. But – you're right. You look at the first few games, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Florida, and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to be significantly better. How much more, I don't know. Their, their non-conference schedule is just awful. Uh, so I don't re- I don't really know um, what to say about them. They're pretty much making the SWAC tours what they've done. They are. It, and, and smart move by, by Coach Yo. To, she has some more talented players than she's had in the past. Get some confidence going early and see what happens in the SEC play. But I just don't know what to to think about them right now. Florida has not been great uh, the last few years. I think Alabama is going to be a sneaky good team. And then January 17th, oh, you go to Texas A&M. Yeah, they go to Texas A&M and then come home to host Kentucky and South Carolina. So you talk about that's a three-game stretch right there. That's where you really need to get those wins leading up to it. And to me, right now, it's South Carolina and everybody else in the league. I, I think, would you agree with that? Absolutely, and Kentucky is going to be right there in the mix, and I think Texas A&M is going to be pretty good as well. But I think it's probably going to be South Carolina State and Kentucky there at the top until further notice. Uh, Kentucky's returning just about everybody. They have the player of the year. She's probably going to be the player of the year for the next two years, and she'll be a three-time player of the year if, if everything goes 
Right, but yeah, South Carolina, Kentucky, and State's going to be the top dogs along with A&M, I think. Well, Robbie, you know, you talk about basketball season kicking up, and this is kind of a different year because, you know, you've got basketball, you've got football, and you've got recruiting, and it's kind of been a, a roller coaster, I guess, week or several few days for Mississippi State recruiting. It wouldn't be close to signing day if it wasn't, Brock. Um, State and Ole Miss are always in the the mix with each other uh, when it comes around signing day, and it's usually State fans and state media kind of waiting to see the the worst that's going to happen and Ole Miss sitting around giddy about, you know, what's going to happen for them. I, I think there was a, a, a big shift, so to speak, on Tuesday for Mississippi State. Really good um, day for them. And they got one commitment, but the, the day as a whole was just big for them. They, they won a battle with Germantown linebacker John Lewis, four-star, a kid that's emerged uh, and exploded – during the season, he went from kind of a, a relative unknown to a four-star prospect with offers from Florida State, MSU, Ole Miss. And there was a lot of talk from the Ole Miss side of things that he was going to be an Ole Miss signee before it's all said and done. But uh, Paul Jones has has been uh, pretty much tapped in on his recruitment, and he did a pretty good job of following that kid. And he, uh, John said from from the outstart that it was going to be Mississippi State and Florida State. Those were, two were kind of running neck and neck, and he comes out on Tuesday and commits to Mississippi State. They follow that up with three of their top-rated commits, and MJ Daniels from George County, Teddy Knox from Texas, and Malik Neighbors from Louisiana. The last two are wide receivers, four-star prospects. But the, all three of those guys come out, reaffirm their commitment. And, uh, you know, right now, as of now, Things are looking good for Mississippi State. They still have several spots to fill. But uh, right now, you know, I, I think this class is settling in pretty well for Mike Leach in his first year. And I've been I've been kind of impressed with how they've handled things. Well, we've got basketball and we've got football games and we've got signing day coming up. So it's going to be a busy time. And we'll have more with you on the, in the coming weeks here on State Style presented by Bank First. Bank First.